It's going to keep going. That's what I'm afraid of. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. We can edit this part out. No worries. Well, okay, you're adding. I'll wait to a quick string. Somebody from Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't, I don't it's all right. Bringing to you the best stories from icons in the bourbon industry, it's Bourbon Pursuit. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan and Kenny. Hey guys, Ryan here. This is part two episode with Jim Rutledge from Four Roses. Uh, if you haven't listened to episode one, you might want to do that first, unless you like to listen to your episodes like a jigsaw puzzle. But here you go. Enjoy. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. So, I mean, the bourbon market, uh, you know, those numbers sound huge. They are huge. But remember, we're just now back in the U.S. and we're start, starting from this small base. Now, these huge numbers might be a very small percentage with the giants in the industry, mm-hmm. but that just means that we have that much further to grow. Uh, it's that many more opportunities and <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to keep on. Yeah. And, uh, I guess so. What are you most excited for in the future of, of what's going to happen with Four Roses with this, this bourbon boom that is happening? Well, we're going to have to get through a tight stretch. Uh, two or three years from now, we're, we're going to get uh, we're going to be very pretty tight 
uh, inventory, inventory wise. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but we are, I mean, here we, we were, we were part of Seeger and the b- biggest majority of what we produced at this distillery. Some of our bourbon was shipped into Canada for, because of the smoothness and mellowness of the bourbon we produce here, uh, became flavoring components for brands like Crown Royal, Seagram VO, uh, and some other blend of whiskeys even in Seagram 7. We had the Four Roses bourbon market in Europe and Japan, but the majority of what we were doing was the blend of whiskeys. So we've taken all this, what we were doing for Four Roses bourbon, and then uh, what we were, how, when you're talking about a small percentage in Seagram 7, when they're doing four or five million cases a year, we're down to by then. That's a lot of uh, flavoring, mm-hmm. a lot of gallons. And uh, so all that's gone away, of course. And now we're to the point where uh, we will need to almost double the capacity of our distillery. Right. So, I mean, is there, are there it's plans? It's exciting. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're working on that. Right. And uh, we're going to have to build a new bottling facility. We're going to have to build warehouses down the road. Uh, distillery operations. These are all in the planning stages now. We, nothing's been cast in stone. Because these aren't these aren't cheap things to do either. Right. As, as no, most that's people right. it takes some time. It, yeah. it takes some time. To, uh, you yeah. want to make the decisions right and not make any mistakes in doing these things. So it's got to be hard forecasting eight ten years down the road. So it's like oh, it's uh, you know, I, I wish I, I was doing this for all the uh, when I was doing the distillery planning in New York. I was doing it for all the distillery for all, whether it be a one of, uh, you know, 50 or 60 Seagram blended whiskeys, uh, all the bourbons they had, the straight rise they had, uh, anything with uh, whiskey or gin or vodka, I was doing the planning for all of it. And gin and vodka is easy because you can distill it today and bottle it tomorrow, but uh, anything that goes in a barrel, uh, light whiskey as a flavoring component for a blended whiskey, it was had to be aged a minimum of four years. That's by law. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the, the bourbons, the rice, corn whiskeys, barley whiskeys, barley bourbons, all these components made it all the distilleries, long-range planning. And it's a challenge. <laughs> and it's, uh, uh, you know, whose crystal ball is better than the next person's. And you got to base it on experience. Of course, you know, people in marketing are very optimistic. <laughs> right. People in production are conservative. So, and I was trying to balance the two, and uh, and that's what we still sort of do the same thing right now. Whose crystal ball is best? Right. And uh, if you make a mistake, you can you can either have a facility that's twice what you need, or half of what you need, or you know, or you, you guess have, right. Are your existing uh, you facilities? That's right. So, uh, but I think it's uh, the growth we've experienced in the last few years, and. We've got so far to go. It's going to be sustained for so long. Uh, we talk now, and you hear people talking about we have more barrels of bourbon in Kentucky than we have people uh, some, somewhere around, and I don't know exactly I've, what it is. I've also heard that we have more barrels aging than we have people and horses combined. So no, I've, I've, heard, not, I've no, heard a lot. No, I don't think so. I've seen a lot of horses around, and it, it could be. Maybe thoroughbred horses. Maybe. Uh, it could be. But don't we? I think the population somewhere around 4.3 million, some plus or minus. And we have over 5 million barrels in inventory right now. So 700,000 plus or minus horses. I don't know how many horses. That's a, that's a, that is <laughs> nah, a, lot of, that's a pretty big herd of horses. We'll, we'll bark, ballpark something. But uh, 
If you go back, and 40% of that now, see, it's not only growth in the U.S., 40% of those barrels are designated for international markets. So uh, 3 million are designated for use in the U.S. to satisfy U.S. US demands, 40%, 2 million uh, in international markets. And you go back to the late 60s when only about 5% of the bourbon uh, that was being produced in Kentucky was uh, being shipped overseas, we had about 9 million barrels in inventory versus 3 million now. So we've got three times, uh, grow three times, and we'll catch up about where we're relative to what's in the U.S. And uh, so it's going to be sustained for years to come. I think it started when uh, uh, the distilleries, we didn't really change anything we were doing in the 80s. when uh, we started focusing on focusing on premium bourbon brands like single barrel bourbon, small batch uh, bourbons, Blanton's was the first. Uh, was that eighty two or eighty three, somewhere around there? And then uh, the Jim Beam series, small batch uh, uh, series in eighty seven, around that time. Uh, Booker, of course, Booker Noble, the mm-hmm. famous master distiller, uh, Basil Hayden, uh, Elmy Knob Creek, and then uh, what am I missing? Uh, bakers. Bakers, right. Those four, and then everybody started uh, chiming in, doing the same thing, focusing on, you know, this is how good we are, and that's how we got the message out. And so that uh, slowed the decline that we've been uh, having for 20 years, began to level off, and by the end of the 90s, uh, we began to grow, and then this... Uh, Century so far, the last 15 years has just been phenomenal. It keeps growing. And uh, a lot of it it started, I think, and has continued because people have begun to see uh, around the world uh, that we are a premium whiskey and there is another whiskey in this world besides scotch and it's Kentucky bourbon. And uh, so we've got a long, long, long way to go. And uh, so we're just beginning. This this right. growth, I really believe, that's going to be sustained for years and years and years to come because people finally begun to realize how just how good and versatile bourbon is. And uh, I mean, skies are ceiling. And right, it's, uh, it's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. Well, so let's let's talk about maybe some of the experiences you had, right? I guess so. You've you've traveled a lot with when you were at Seagrams. You are now, I guess, any massive distiller is almost considered like an international celebrity, right? So you you travel the world. You kind of see these things. Do you have any uh, any kind of stories or experiences of like the the best place you visited or anything like that? I I hate sitting on a plane, but I love when I get someplace, I always love it. And uh, whether it be somewhere in Europe, uh, uh, I love going to London. It's a beautiful city, and I actually walk off a plane, and uh, I feel like you know I'm I'm home again. Uh, you feel like way, you feel like Heathrow's home uh, every time I'm there. I'm not, like, oh. not Heathrow. <laughs> Once I get to a hotel and start meeting go. the people I know and going around uh, visiting. They wear me out. Go to bars, uh, have events all day, talking with groups of people, and then bars as long as I can stay awake at night and then get up the next morning and do it all over again. But it's fun. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy the people, but whether it be the UK, uh, you know, London, England, or uh, Glasgow, Scotland, uh, we'll be in France, traveling all around France or Spain and Germany, Austria. 
or Japan. I mean, every time you get somewhere, people are always, I love talking with the people and, uh, people are always so gracious and, uh, I, it's, it's enjoyable. I can't say I have a favorite place. I, I love everywhere I visit and every, every time I go somewhere, it's a new experience and, and, an enjoyable experience. Well, good. Well, let's talk. You know, let's talk about the, the bourbon itself, right? We'll talk about your, uh, your your child here, your baby that you, you nurse and, and love to talk about so much. So, uh, I guess give us some 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 kind of talking points about. Um, let, let's talk about your your super premium releases, right? Your uh, your your small batch limited releases, your single barrel releases. Which uh, twenty fourteen was was the last of the, the single barrel limited. Is that is that correct? I I wouldn't say it's the last. Okay. Uh, we were, have been doing it. Uh, these whole series started. Let's see. I think it was uh, September nineteen uh, t- September two thousand six. Uh, my fortieth anniversary in the business, and we've always had uh, like the uh, releases or introduction of something new, generally in September. Uh, we especially started that when we weren't really in the U.S. We're just starting back because that's the month of the Kentucky Bourbon Festival, which has become over the years an international event. And so we could get a little exposure outside the U.S. But we, uh, our CEO back then came to me and asked me, Jim, on your 40th anniversary, uh, if we had a special bottle, bottling of some kind for you, uh, what would you like to do? And I told him, he said, well, if you're serious, I'd like to have a single barrel uh, selection. I'll pick the, uh, uh, select the recipe we use, the barrels we use for uh, for this, and we'll dump the barrels and bottle them. Of course, if uh, we dump and bottle them, it's going to have charcoal in it. But I was already immediately thinking way ahead, I don't want to chill filter or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that gave me some negotiating room. One of the quality manager back then from... Uh, uh, with Karen and Tokyo from Tokyo, oh, he was dead set against that, and uh, we had some go around. I said, "All right, we just won't do anything." And <laughs> yeah. CEO said, "We'll do that, and we'll uh, uh, we'll have a single barrel. Uh, you select the barrels. We won't chill filter, but we will have to take the charcoal out. So that's what we've always done since that time. Is any of our limited editions is running through a sock type filter only to remove the charcoal and gives consumers." Uh, as close as uh, they can come unless they have an opportunity to visit a distillery, stick a thief in a barrel and taste something straight from the barrel. Because all we're going to do is take the charcoal out. So that started uh, the whole limited edition series. Uh, That was in 2006. 2008, we started the first, uh, what we call now, uh, limited edition small batch. It was the, the Mirage back it, then. Mariage. Mariage. Yeah, it was, uh, that's one of the reasons we changed the name. Yeah. <laughs> is that most people got it wrong. The, uh, uh, in fact, I, we had our CEO asked me to write a uh, press release for the release of Mariage. And he wanted to read it, uh, read it first. And I'm glad he did because I was writing Mirage like it's not really there. <laughs> you need one of those things that when you look in like uh, the encyclopedia or Wikipedia, it has like how to actually say it, you know, yeah. like on the label or the something. The pronunciation. Yeah. yeah. But it makes sense to change but, the label. Yeah. Then, well, right? it, you know, most people call it marriage because mar- Mariage was the French spelling of marriage without one of the R's. Uh, a lot of people call it uh, Meritage, like a wine. And then, but my favorite was Mirage, like it's not really there. <laughs> it's like, so yeah. we had a 2008 and 2009 
uh, mariage, and then we changed it to what it it was then. We just changed and started calling it what it is, the limited edition small batch. So uh, that changed with our 2010 limited edition small batch, which was one of my favorite all time, uh, that in the 2013 limited edition small batch. Uh, If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So what goes into the, I guess, the process of selecting something that's just going to be a regular small batch versus something that's going to be one of the limited editions, right? Is there... Uh, something that's well, suitable, or is it higher age statements? Is it just your palate that, that chooses it? One of the reasons, with our 10 recipes, we're very unique in that. That was started back in the Seagram years in the late 40s. Uh, consistency is in our industry, from bottling run to bottling run, is totally impossible to be achieved. Every barrel's different. Every barrel's going to have its own fingerprint of flavor, so if you're, whether you're going to dump 10 barrels or 100 or 1,000, if you're dumping 100 barrels... So for a bottling run, if you got a hundred variables, how are you going to be able to make it taste exactly like it did the previous bottling? And the answer is you don't. It's, there's always going to be, but that's part of the art of the industry. But because of that, Seagram's R&D philosophy was if we have 10 unique flavors of bourbon with one target flavor profile, that's all we had back in those years was our regular Four Roses bourbon, we call it yellow label now for obvious reasons. If we have 10 sample barrels that we're going to dump for a bottling run, prior to a bottling run, tweak that form a little more one, less of another here or there, maybe even not have to use one or more of the recipes or maybe adjust some ages. But we can consistently hit that target flavor profile. Now, we still use that same philosophy for a yellow label and uh, – uh, it still can't be achieved. Now, maybe it's the most consistent on the market in consistency, but to me that doesn't really mean anything because that is part of the art of the industry. The real bonuses behind that, uh, to me, were achieved when 
uh, in the eighties when we, the industry began to, uh, uh, you know, focus on again, the premiums and everything we do is different by formula design of our 10 Kentucky straight bourbon whiskeys that we distill separately, age separately. So we use four of those recipes consistently for our regular small batch. Now, the mariage, the first two years, 2008 and 2009, uh, we would only use two because of the theory, you know, uh, mariage, marriage, mariage, we, we would use two recipes. And the idea behind it, you can add one plus one and get zero, like in a marriage or, or one or right. two. But the idea is one plus one is something special, four or five. And you just got to experiment and work with it and try to, to blend something and where the uh, the sum is greater than the two components. Uh, so, and that was the idea behind uh, the mariage. So to then when we changed it to limited edition small batch in 2010, that opened it up to, uh, it could still be two or three or four or five. You get beyond that and you're going to be beating your head in the wall because four or five, you get, there's so point, many various combinations you can make. It's about the same. Uh, it, it's endless. And, uh, so, but we, so we, the limited editions, we want them to be older, a little bit older. Now we don't put barrels away. We won't never have done it. We won't do it. We will not fill a barrel today and say, we're going to age as 12 or 13 or 15 or 20 years. Uh, because too often what's in the barrel when it becomes old gets too woody and, uh, harsh and, uh, it takes on too many tannins. You just don't know when that's going to happen. So the barrels, we put up way every year, extra barrels. And when we find barrels that are, when we start survey sampling all of, a lot, one lot of bourbon for us is eight of our fermenters. It's going to be about 285 barrels. We, uh, barrel every day, Monday through Friday. And, uh, when we find something that's maturing slowly, getting better with age, we'll put a hold on it. Do not use for anything. That's the ones that become older age. They earn the way into uh, these extra years of age. And that's what we try to use, whether it be a limited edition single barrel or a limited edition small batch. And uh, so it's they're older. Then we start looking at uh, evaluating lots and we might decide, uh, you know, we want to use four this time or, or two this year. It's coming up. It's going to be a very good year, I think, in 2015. Uh, we use three of our recipes. And uh, so it's, but it's an art. You know, it's, you never know, because you can take, you can take this really good barrel of bourbon, mix it with another really good barrel of bourbon, put them together. It's not so good. Mm -hmm. But you can take, this barrel's okay, this barrel's okay, put them together, and wow, it's something outstanding. You don't know until you try. It's just trial and error, experimenting. It's a lot of fun. There's art involved, but that's our limited edition small batch. So you would think that that's, that's the level of innovation that, that Four Roses goes at, right? To try to figure out with, with these 10 different recipes that you're trying to, to mix and match and these different flavor profiles to maybe release something that is special, right? Instead right. of, instead of trying to say like, Oh, we're going to go and, uh, source wood from Bulgaria or whatever it is, right? Maybe you're just trying to, trying to just experiment that way. Yeah, no, we're not interested in, uh, I mean, the, you know, you can source, uh, wood, uh, uh, two different trees in Missouri, not going to be the same either. Right. And you don't know what you're going to get. And, and the difference, I think, would be pretty minimal. Uh, but, uh, 
I mean, there's so many experiments going on and doing things different and just trying as an industry. You know, we could sit on our, we the industry could sit on our laurels and go back years and years and years. But one of the things we do, and we're all friends, you get down to the distillers and the production into the business, we are very close. And we'll do anything in the world to help each other out. We're all doing, uh, we're doing the same thing, but we're doing it differently. And uh, we all try to help each other out. And we, But none of us are ever satisfied. We're here today. Uh, Four Roses has been around a lot longer. I've been around a long time. Some people around here occasionally ask me, well, you know, what was Paul Jones Jr. like? <laughs> he died in 1894. So that's not much of a compliment. But, uh, you know, we've been around a long time, and we carry on the, on the tradition. But people ask me, uh, you know, we don't want to mess anything up for number one. But I'll tell you right now, I, I, you know, I came here in 94. If we're not better today than we were in 2002 or 1994 or uh, four or five years ago, somebody else ought to be doing it. You're never satisfied. Always doing something better, getting better with time. That's uh, just the way of life, and that's the way it is. And we're all doing that. So... Uh, no, it makes sense. That makes sense. So I guess uh, going back to the single barrels, you know, one of the things that I really love about Four Roses is that it, it I don't know, maybe it sounds cheesy or whatever, right? but it's uh, the, the whole process of when you go and you, you pick up a bottle and you can see uh, the proof, you can see what warehouse it came from, you can see all these different things that actually go on handwritten labels. It's almost like a, a box of chocolates, right? You kind of never know what you're going to get because That's right. because they're all they're as you said they're all, they're all unique in their own special way. Um, now, do you think that's that's a special characteristic that what makes Four Roses so unique in being able to provide a, a bourbon like that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, with the 10 recipes uh, that we age, and then, of course, you know, let's just take one of our recipes. Uh, we have uh, letters, OBSV, OESK, OESF, or OBSQ, uh, of those OBs. The second letter will be a mash will be either a B or an E. Then the fourth letter is going to be a V, K, O, Q, or F, and that's just our designation for our five proprietary yeast strains. And... Uh, you know, you can take a uh, uh, 2006 OBSV. It's going to be a lot different than 2007 or uh, or seven year or eight or nine or ten years old. They're, everything's going to be different. You start combining uh, just three recipes, and but you might throw a couple years in each for that. And I mean, we we could spend a year trying to come up with a perfect. Uh, uh, blend and uh, the perfect bourbon. You're never going to achieve it. <laughs> you true. keep trying. Yeah, you, it never and, stops. Uh, that's right. Uh, but the variables is so unique because uh, we have those variables to work with. And it's more than 10, really, because every day it's in a barrel that's different. Uh, you know, six year old is going to be dramatically different than a 12 year old. A 15 year old is going to be a heck of a lot different. So uh, the, uh, the choices are. I'd say infinite that right. uh, we start off with. So it's, you know, we try to pick when we're making, uh, we're looking uh, at a limited edition small batch. And I had a hard time last year uh, proving something. I, shoot a, I don't know how many <laughs> rejects uh, I went through, but it's probably 100. I, I don't know. This year was really easy. I mean, some, I mean, you hit it, and you might do it. This year, the first time I sat out and looked about uh, 
10, 12 samples, something like that. And I saw three or four of them that were really, really good. And then narrowing it down to which one of these are the best. Now, is this for the 2014 well, or for the, the, for the 2015 2B? 2015. Oh, good. Oh, no, good. I had trouble with the 2014. <laughs> and uh, But uh, this year was, I think it's going to be a really special bourbon. Good. Cool. And I'm looking forward to it. Now, see, we've already selected now. So we selected this in uh, end of January. Now the downside of that is when we're when we're putting something together, we're you, we're working in a lab with graduated cylinders. We've got uh, you know if it's just make it simple. If it's four and we got twenty five percent, twenty five, twenty five, twenty five, that's easy. We can get them all precise. But you go to dump those barrels, and those two barrels, uh, you know, we can calculate what should be in the barrel. <laughs> Whatever or the angels took away, right? It might be 24, yeah. some might be 26. So it's it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, you've got to get the percentage. Now, we work hard to make sure those percentages, are, and our quality manager does a great job. Now, I'm making sure those percents are very, very close. Then, uh, you know, we were talking about older bourbon just a minute ago. And one of the reasons we never fill a barrel to become 12, 15, 20 years old is because the sweet flavors of bourbon are generated from the natural sugars of that white oak. When those sugars are dissipated, you better use that bourbon pretty quick because what's left in the barrel then is going to pick up too many tannins, take on the harshness, the character of the wood itself. You never know when it's going to going to happen. And uh, just selecting these and... But when we right now in January we, we made this uh, selection, uh, approved the recipe we use. Now this bourbon's going to have to be in a barrel another seven months. <laughs> so you so something going to happen? Yeah. And uh, so you never know; it, the, it could get better in seven months. Yeah, no, it could stay the same. Know too. Uh, or it could get worse. We we don't know. And if it did, we'd have to change things at the very end. Use the same recipes because we that's on the bottle. Right. But uh, it wouldn't be the same. So we've got another seven months to worry that we can consistently put in a bottle what we hope to today. Yeah. Is that with your warehouses, uh, they're typically one story about six high, I think. Yeah. Is that why you do that to kind of remove some of the variables of having a larger warehouse? It is, warehouse? exactly. Okay. And those were built by Seagram in uh, 1960. But the thing, we had five operating distilleries uh, back then. When I started in 66, we still had five operating distilleries in Kentucky. Each one of those uh, distillery sites had their own multi-story warehouses. The uh, warehouses on the other side of the road here, when you come in, uh, they used to belong to Seagram's distillery right here. They were sold in, uh, to another distillery in 1976. But uh, we had the five operating distilleries. And then we built those like the hub of a wheel. Those, uh, it's actually in Lotus, Kentucky, but the post office is in Nelson County, Cox's Creek. So we call it, say, Cox's Creek. But as we close the distilleries, we just have this distillery now, and we're 50 miles from our warehouse facility, but that's the reason. But we built those to store the barrels that the Seagram distilleries were producing that were going to be targeted for bourbon and not blended whiskeys. And to achieve consistency, we had all the variables we needed with 10 mm-hmm. recipes. So now uh, in a multi-story warehouse, you can get a 35 plus or minus temperature differential from bottom floor to top floor, especially in the hot months, where we've reduced that. We do rock our barrel six tiers high versus the traditional three tiers high in multi-story. 
and we get a temperature differential from the bottom tier to the sixth tier of about six degrees, maybe on extremes, eight degrees, but usually average around six degrees. Even that small temperature differential makes a difference. There's still variables. They're not as dramatic, but the barrels that we fill uh, on the top tier, they will always increase in strength during the maturation process. The fifth tier will increase, but not as much as the sixth tier. The bottom tier always loses strength, as does the second, but not as much. So the cooler you get, the more strength, alcohol strength you do lose during the aging process. Uh, the fourth tier generally is right around our entry proof. Third, second, first tiers lose proof. Fifth and sixth tiers gain strength. So you still, even with a six degree temperature differential, you still get variables, but it's not as dramatic as if it had 35 degrees. When I was a kid in high school, I worked for a landscape, but we, my job was to weed eat around Heaven Hills warehouses, and you would go by the windows on the bottom floor, and cold air would rush out. And I'm like, how's that possible? It's oh, 100 yeah. degrees outside, but I guess upstairs it's probably 110. You know, and well, it'd be it would be warmer, but uh, you stop and think. It's uh, uh, I know when I lived in New York, we go to the beach sometimes. So it's in July. And it might be hot outside, but you get that water. Wow, it's cold. It was it was bone chilling cold even in July because such a huge body of liquid. It's been hot outside, but it takes time. So you got this big warehouse of all these barrels, you know, several thousand barrels in a warehouse uh, full of liquid, and they've been cold, really, really, really cold through the winter, like they are right now. Gets in the summer. And it takes a long time to cool, so it's like you're in an air conditioning, mm-hmm. uh, air conditioned building. Conversely, because they warm up in the summer, you go and one in the winter. It's cold, but it's not as cold as it is outside. Right. Uh, it just takes a while for this liquid to adjust. But that's uh, that's a part of the reason why Kentucky is so perfect. Everybody talks about limestone water as the reason bourbon made here is so good, but it's also our climate and our geographic location and that. You know, we have about as many hot days as cold days during this uh, during the course of a year, and that's perfect for the maturation process. Yeah, it's very dramatic here. I think two weeks ago it was like 50 degrees and we were golfing. Now there's 12 inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then 10 or 15 below. I one uh, Last Friday morning I came in here driving in. I know Lloyd was talking about a 7 below. And yeah. uh, I hit one time in the Bluegrass Parkway, minus 26, and several people got it. And I had it on my phone, my car. When I pulled in the parking lot Friday morning, it was 23 below zero. <laughs> now, they, it warmed up that day quite a bit. Uh it got up to 15 degrees by the time, by noon. It got warmer during the day. and But that felt like a heat wave. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just these rapid fluctuations. So I guess well, one last question before we wrap it up. You know, with these 10 different recipes, one might think to wonder, you know, with the, a bunch of brand expansions and people that are, uh, you know, throwing up micro distilleries and sourcing barrels or whatever, like, why wouldn't you just say, like, well, I could create 10 different brands out of these 10 different recipes? Uh, and we could. We could do we could do 100 or 1,000, uh, but whatever. Now, when we first came back to the U.S., uh, I mean, we've been gone a long time. We've been the number one selling bourbon, as we talked a long time ago, uh, 30s, 40s, 50s. But we went away. The blend of whiskey really destroyed our name. And all the debates I had through the years with Seagram, I didn't disagree with him. I just, in one respect, but that didn't make any difference. I still want to bring our bourbon back home. And I used to argue, all we have to do is find a way 
to get people to try our bourbon. They never would agree, but that's why we started the single barrel. Some people wanted to just make the yellow label bourbon go away. I I said, I don't think we ought to do that. Let's just let it sit. We won't put any money behind it, but we'll see what happens. Now it's our number one seller of what we have. So we introduced our single barrel in September 2004, our small batch in September 2006. That and the yellow label, those three, so we have three. They're all very, very different flavor profiles. And I know going back even three, four, five years ago, people started saying, we need to put something else in the market. And said so people are beginning to understand. But, you know, it was 2007, I guess, when we first moved. When we started back, we had the barrel inventory for Kentucky. Then 27, we began, 07, we began to move out into a few other states. And, <clears throat> and then a couple of years after, people said, boy, we need to come up with something new and different, exciting. But to most of the people in the U.S., they'd never heard of us. <laughs> We're just getting this message out. And I felt like we need to focus on who we are, what we have, before we had, uh, can, uh, you know, put out something different. And we, it lessens our focus on our core brands. And we're going to diversify and put, we're going to market this, but what's going to happen right now, we need to focus on our name, reestablishing our name as a quality bourbon, not some blend of whiskey. And that's why we haven't done, we could come up with any number. And, uh, you know, we will eventually, but we had to get established and let not just people in Kentucky, but California, New York and Texas and Maine or, uh, know that you know we're uh, uh, we're quality con- straight Kentucky bourbon, and that's why we haven't done that. Well, fantastic. Well, Jim, we want to thank you very much for your time today. This has been a, a pleasure. We're uh, we've definitely gone long. Probably going to break this into two episodes. But if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to us at Bourbon Pursuit on the podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, also at Bourbon Pursuit. Yeah, and any comments, feedback, show suggestions, uh, appreciate it. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.